What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. The NBA season is underway. We're going to be highlighting just the major teams and things that I've kind of picked up on so far early in the season. And then, of course, we got a lot of football going on this weekend. A lot of football. Can't wait to get into all of it. It's another loaded podcast here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. You know, some teams have only played two games, and I've already got some ideas on who's going to be good, who's not good, what needs to improve, because you can learn a lot early as teams are working out the kinks, where are they going to struggle, and things like that. So we're just going to address the top of each conference, and then we will we will move on from there. So let's start. Let's start with the team that played last night, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, one one on the season, win opening night on the road against Golden State. And then they lost last night against the Phoenix Suns. Then again, Bradley Beal didn't play in the first two games, and Booker didn't play last night, which leads us to our first issue with the Phoenix Suns. Bradley Beal has already missed two games. Booker didn't play last night, right after looking great against the Warriors, right after being the best player on the floor against the Warriors, and he didn't play last night. How do the Phoenix Suns expect to figure out their winning formula if their best players aren't playing, how are they going to figure out what needs to be improved and what needs to be reworked if the three most important guys on their roster aren't playing? How are they going to figure out what two other players work best with them on the floor for closing lineups and things of that nature? How are they going to figure that out? How? And the other big part of this that has to go into guys not playing is that when stars miss games, the other stars have to play more. Which, when you're Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and you're younger, you're in the prime of your career, not a big deal. But if you're Kevin Durant, who hasn't played you know, in 50 games in the last you know, three or four years now, when he has to play 39 minutes because your younger stars can't lace it up, that is unacceptable. Kevin Durant played 39 minutes last night. Kevin Durant's the last player in the league who needs to be playing 39 minutes given his injury history and his age. That's ridiculous. It's like, well, Jonathan, in those 39 minutes, Kevin Durant looked really good. He did. You're right. But it's game two. He needs to keep his legs, and he definitely needs to avoid injury if the Suns want any chance at winning a title. And the best way to make sure that happens is for Beal and Booker to play consistently, keep Kevin Durant's minutes in the low 30s, and figure it out from there. they got to figure out how all this is going to work anyway, anyway with the chemistry and who's really going to kind of f- facilitate the offense, how are they going to trade shots, all that kind of stuff. Because, let's be honest, if they don't play together enough, then we could get to the playoffs in June, and the Suns could just be a team that, Durant, Beal, and Booker take turns playing one-on-one. If that's the case, they aren't going to win. They have to figure out how to play cohesively if they're going to beat teams like Denver and the Lakers later on in the season. Finally, the last thing we've seen here, Nurkic. Not the answer at the five. I know people were really excited after his performance against the Warriors, but last night we saw it. He provides no rim protection whatsoever. LeBron just kind of took him one-on-one and did whatever he wanted to close the fourth quarter, and that is why the Lakers won. 
Speaking of the Lakers, let's move on to them. Uh, so much for the LeBron 29 minute minute restriction, right? That lasted one night. Uh, he played 35 minutes last night, including I believe 14 straight minutes um, to close out the game. Okay, he looked really good in year 21. It's only game two though. Going to be interesting to see how he looks at game 50. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis clearly the second option. He's never been reliable enough to be the number one option in terms of staying healthy or in just the way that he plays. We saw him disappear in the second half against the Denver Nuggets. Literally didn't score. Okay, Wasn't super great last night either, I didn't think. Um, yeah, LeBron, it's clearly his team. He's the best player. Don't know if that's what you want as the Lakers, um, but that's kind of how it is right now. I'm interested to see kind of how they work out things with Austin Reeves. He's not initiating the offense as much as I thought he would. That was mainly D'Angelo Russell last night. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of manage all of that. And then, you know, Rui not playing a ton, which is also kind of surprising as well. going to be interesting to see how the Lakers kind of iron out their rotation and things of that nature. Finally, last team, or excuse me, not the last team in the West, the Golden State Warriors. I hit on this a little bit on Wednesday with Taylor Langston. Um, if you missed that, go back and listen to it. Really good podcast. Um, I, I want to hit on this again. Draymond Green is 100% right when he says that if the Warriors want to win another title this year, they have to be a top 10 defensive team. Now, in order for that to happen, Stephen Curry and Chris Paul cannot play together. Okay, they're both smart defenders but having them both on the floor at the same time is not going to translate to a top-10 defense. It's not going to happen. Okay, um, Just too small, too undersized. Neither one of them have ever really been great defenders. On top of that, now they're both a little bit older. So, yeah, not going to translate to a top-10 defense if they're both playing a ton. And so because of that, the Warriors are, sta- are staggering their minutes, right? CP3 mainly ran with the second unit. He's going to be good, I think, for those younger players, kind of bringing them along. Steph, meanwhile, did his thing with the first unit. Um, Going to be interesting to see how they kind of pair those two when they do play together. Um, That's one of the things that I'm really watching for with Golden State. And I want to get into the younger players a little bit, especially Kaminga and Moody. It's year three for these guys, and they have to play in order for them to compete for a title. We've seen flashes from both of them. They're both clearly good NBA players. Steve Kerr just has to allow them to play. Going back to what Draymond Green said about them being about them needing to be a top 10 defense this year if they want to compete for a title, Kaminga and Moody could legitimately be two of the three best defenders on this team behind Draymond Green. They have to play, and they have to contribute. They've both shown the ability to score the basketball. Steve Kerr just has to trust them. He has to give them opportunities in the regular season to fail and make mistakes, and maybe you know, you're know you the four seed instead of the three seed because of it, but you're the freaking Golden State Warriors, and it doesn't matter what seed you are. They have to play during the regular season, and they have to be developed beyond what they've been so far because there's only so much you can do during practice. You have to give these guys opportunities. We saw Moses Moody in the playoffs last year. He ended up being one of the eight rotational guys. He was good. Give him more minutes. Give Jonathan Kaminga more minutes. He's really the one who needs them because he still doesn't seem like he fully grasps the system sometimes. He misses some passes, misses some opportunities to cuts. But if he is given more minutes, he can correct those mistakes. Steve Kerr, I am begging with you, pleading with you, please, please, 
give these two young guys some more minutes so that when June comes around and you need to rely on them, they're actually ready to play. Last team in the West, and then we're going to move on to the East here, the Denver Nuggets. They're the best team, okay? And it's going to appear that way for most of the season because they have a lot of returners. Um, you know, I mean, it's like everybody except for Bruce Brown and Christian Brown played a, played a decent amount last year. He's going to tr- kind of try to fill that role, right? So they're going to look better than everyone else for a while just because all these guys have played together. And, you know, Phoenix is going to be trying to figure things out, so they'll probably have some stretches where they don't look great. The Lakers brought in some different rotational players, including guys like Christian Wood. Uh, still trying to figure out, as I mentioned earlier, what they're going to do with Reeves and Russell. So they may hit some lulls because of that. LeBron also being a little bit older could lead to some lulls there. Um, the Warriors also brought in a bunch of different rotational guys. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, they may have some lulls there when they're trying to figure out who they want their better role players to be and who they really want to rely on. So just know the Nuggets are going to look far and away better than every other team in the West because of it. On top of that, Jamal Murray not coming back from an injury this year. Denver looks really good. Maybe they were just up because it was the Lakers, but they don't really seem to be having any kind of uh, post-championship season lull. Then again, they've only played one game. Who who knows, right? Moving on to the Eastern Conference, going to highlight three teams here. Let's start with the two teams that played last night, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia Six- Sixers. Damian Lillard, great opening night, scores 39 points, hits 17 of 17 free throws, closed the fourth quarter, and only the way that Damian Lillard can, right? He hit tough shots, including, you know, a couple four-point plays in there. I thought he looked good running the screen and roll, you know, two dribbles past half court. Good luck stopping that. When Dame gets ahead of steam, you got Giannis rolling in behind him. Shooters on the wing. I mean, this Bucks offense is going to be really tough to stop. Um... The Sixers were kind of perfect for Dame. He was able to hide and like guard Danny Green and guys who weren't really offensive threats. But when he got on Maxi, whew, he got cooked. Um, yeah, so going to be interesting to see kind of how the Bucks protect Dame defensively. Um, also going to be interesting to see how Giannis adjusts to playing with Dame because this is the first time in Giannis's career that he has played with someone who has as much gravity as he does, as someone who draws as much attention when he touches the basketball as he does. And that's going to be an adjustment for him, right? Because, look, Chris Middleton, really good basketball player, doesn't make you shake in your boots when he touches it. Same thing with Drew Holiday. Damian Lillard does. And, you know, Giannis, he looked a little slow, took some bad shots last night. Um, So I don't think it's going to take him too, too long to kind of figure out where he fits in the offense. Um but yeah, he just he, he didn't look great last night. I do expect him to figure things out though as the season goes on. The Sixers, Tyrese Maxey looked awesome, and if Harden is going to continue to not play, I know they didn't let him basically on the trip to Milwaukee, which I think is kind of funny. But if Maxey is going to continue to be the primary ball handler like he was last night, he could win Most Improved Player. He had 31, and he could get a shot whenever he wanted. He's so fast. I mean, it was just really impressive. Meanwhile, Joel Embiid did not play great last night. Um, struggled when he was doubled. Um, maybe they weren't expecting that because, you know, under Budenholzer, the Bucks didn't do stuff like that. So maybe he was just a little caught off guard. We'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt. He is the former MVP. But the story in Philly is Maxi, and he's going to be the story throughout the year. He looks like an absolute dude who's going to make a big impact throughout this season 
for the 76ers. If they can get a good return on Harden and Maxi can sustain this level, as I've already said several times, it's only one game. But if he can keep playing like this, then Philly could actually be a pretty, pretty tough out come the playoffs. Finally, let's talk about Boston. Mainly Kristaps Porzingis, who looked like the best pickup of the summer in their first game against their against the Knicks, had 30 points, hit 5 of 9 from 3, played good defense, defended the rim. I mean, he looked nothing short of spectacular. Jason Tatum finished with 34, and Jalen Brown only scored 11. I think that's going to be the biggest change we see for the Celtics this year. Brown is going to get less shots, and it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that. But if Porzingis is shooting the ball as well as he did against the Knicks, then they're going to take Brown's shots away. I believe he only got 11 shots last night. Tatum and Porzingis were both either right at or over 15. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of split shots and how many are left over for Brown or Porzingis because we know Tatum is going to get his shots being the best player on that team. And then maybe from there, it just kind of depends. Is Brown hot? Is Porzingis hot? Where do we like the matchup? Going to be interesting to see how they kind of split those things up. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into all the football going on this weekend. The NBA is back, though. We've got some stuff planned for the season that I just I can't wait to get into. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, football starts tomorrow. Started Well, started last night. You know, more on Saturday, and then obviously even more on Sunday. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with more Shooting the Schmidt. So I'm going to be honest, didn't watch a ton of the Thursday night football game last night between the Bills and the Bears. Felt pretty obvious there from the jump that the Bills were pretty clearly the better team, better quarterback, better really everything it kind of felt like. Um, you know, they ended up winning by eight, so congrats to the Bucks for covering. You know, if you bet the Bucks, good job. Um, yeah, Bills, they're good. I know when they lost to the Patriots, people were kind of freaking out, but no need to freak out. The Bills, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They're going to win a lot of games. Let's get to the rest of football. Let's start with college football. Get those games are tomorrow. Not many super great college football games this weekend. There's really only two that jump off the page, and of those two, really only one is where I'm like, hey, I'm actually going to like sit down and watch this game. Um, and that is Utah and Oregon. Oregon favored by 6.5 in that one. Um, I took Oregon to cover the 6.5 because Cam Rising, not playing for Utah if you haven't heard. He's been shut down for the entire season. So Utah, not going to have their, uh, I believe he would have been a a six-year starter at the college football level. So because of that, yeah, I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take Oregon to uh to win that one, pretty pretty handily. Uh, I think they win 38-10. The total over under set at 47 and a half. Uh, that that hits the over on that as well. This Utah defense is really good. It's amongst the best in the country. Uh, I know Utah's offense looked good last week, but let's be honest against USC's defense, everybody's offense looks great. Um, and they're not playing USC's defense this week. They're playing Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks, one of the another one of the better defenses in college football. Um, so yeah, because of that, I'm going to take Oregon. I I really don't think that's going to be too too much of a contest. That six and a half feels really really low. Duke and Louisville. This is the other game, and as of right now, it doesn't look like Riley Leonard's going to play. If he was playing, I think Duke would be favored. Um, but he's not. They're on the road. I, I like this Duke defense. They've been really solid. Uh, Mike, Mike Elko's done a really good job there. 
Um, but it's hard to pick them if Riley Leonard isn't going to play, so I'm taking Louisville to win that game, cover the 4.5. This is the 20th-ranked team taking on number 18. Louisville only lost one game this year. Um, forgetting who that was too, but they got absolutely crushed. Uh, they're very well coached. Um, talking about Louisville, talking about Duke as well, uh, but if Leonard's not playing, I think it's hard to not take Louisville. I think they win 27-20, which barely clips that 46.5 points over now, that's college football. As I said, not a lot of college football games this week that are really worth noting. So let's get on to the NFL. Here are the five games that I, I bet on this week. Uh, the Texans and the Panthers. Texans favored by 3.5. The over-under for that game set at 43.5. The Texans are a good football team. The Panthers are not. I know. That is the groundbreaking analysis you come to shooting the Schmidt for, right? Because you didn't, you didn't know that before before you started this podcast. Um, look, this is the matchup of the top two picks in the draft. C.J. Stroud has gotten a lot of the publicity as the best rookie quarterback so far. Bryce Young has put together a couple of like decent performances, but nothing too, too crazy. Um, and i got to be honest, I, I don't think he has a good week this week. Talk about Bryce Young as he's having to take on this D'Amico Ryan's defense. Um, the Texans are eighth in scoring defense. They've been really good on that side of the ball. This Panthers offense is one of the worst in the league. They're ranked in the bottom 10 in the league in scoring offenses. Meanwhile, the Texans offense has been slightly above average. They're like 14th in scoring offense. I like the Texans to cover the three and a half. They win 24-20. Barely clears that over of 43 and a half. It's this Texas team, they're good. They're tough out. Um, they could still potentially win the AFC South. They, they they really need to win this week for that to happen and for the Jags to lose, which we will get to that game later. Moving on, uh, the next game that I have picked, Chiefs-Broncos. Chiefs favored by 7.5, over-under set at 46.5. Once again, I'm betting the Chiefs. I've won every bet I've placed on them this season, so we're just going to keep going back to the hand that feeds me as long as it continues to feed me. Chiefs, they're the best team in the league they have one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. They are second in scoring defense, only giving up 15 points a game. They have Patrick Mahomes, the best receiver, or excuse me, the best quarterback in the NFL, despite the lack of receivers. It hasn't slowed down the offense. They are tied for the sixth highest scoring offense in the NFL, about 25 points a game. Meanwhile, as I said, their defense has been nothing short of elite this season. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Broncos, they are slowly cleaning house. There's a big talent gap here. I think there's a big motivational gap. I don't know if you've seen the interviews with some of these Broncos players, but they know that they aren't very good, and they know that they aren't making the playoffs. Once again, they know that they're bad. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they have Super Bowl hopes. You know they want that number one. They, You know they want the one seed in the AFC because that gives them the bye, right? The Chiefs cover the 7.5-point spread. They win 27-17, which comes in just under the over-under total of 46 and a half. Moving on, Bears-Chargers. This game is brought to you by dysfunctional franchises. That's exactly what this game is. The Chargers are once again falling short of expectations. The Bears are bad again. But Tyson Bignett, I think, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, I think he's injected them with some life. Okay, He was the quarterback in their 30-12 to win over the Raiders last week. You know, he didn't, like, torch the Raiders. He was, like, 21-29 or 29 for 162 yards and a touchdown. But for the first time in years, the Bears' locker room might actually have faith in the guy who's going to start under center. Okay, he made some decent throws. 
as I said, efficient, nothing super crazy. As I said, 21 or 29, 162 yards. But guess what? Justin Fields can't do that. So I think that the Bears locker room, they've got some faith in this new rookie quarterback. Plus, we know there's going to be an inevitable fourth quarter collapse by the Chargers at some point. I think that results in the Bears covering the 8.5 points. Chargers win 28-23, which clears the 46.5 total over under. Next game. This is probably my least favorite bet of the week. Rams-Cowboys. I'm taking the Rams to cover the 6.5. Sean McVay's coaching ability is on an entirely different planet compared to Mike McCarthy. Okay, Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Cooper Cup is back. Puka Nakua continues to produce even though Cooper Cup is back. Okay, I know that this Cowboys defense is elite, but McVay, Stafford, these receivers, and now a healthy offensive line. I checked the injury injury report yesterday. No one on the Rams' off, offensive line even listed as questionable, so they should be healthy up front. With that, I think they find a way to score enough points to keep this thing close. And despite the lack of stars on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams, they've been really solid defensively this season. Cowboys offense hasn't been great. When you look at the games where they've scored a lot of points, it's been because the defense has forced turnovers or the defense has even scored themselves or special teams has scored, right? And that's just not going to happen, I, I don't think, against this Rams team. I don't think they're going to be able to force three or four turnovers that allow them to score a whole bunch of points. I don't see that happening. Because of that, I think the Cowboys win. They sneak out a close game, 27-24, which clears the over-under set at 45-and-a-half. Last game, my favorite pick. If you've been listening to the podcast or if you've been following the the Substack where I, where I write all these out as well, uh, if you want to check that out, that should be linked in the description below. This is my favorite pick of the week, and this isn't hard. You should know that this is happening. I am taking the Lions to cover 7.5 against the Raiders. Adam Schefter reported earlier this week that Jimmy G should be back for the Monday night game. Doesn't matter. Has no impact on my pick. The Lions are the better team. The Lions are one of the better teams in the NFL. They got embarrassed last week against the Ravens, losing like 38-6. to I expect them to bounce back in a big way. I think the Lions win this game pretty handily in prime time. They win 31-20, which clears that 45.5 total over under. When good teams get embarrassed, take them the next week, especially if they're playing a bad team and the Raiders are indeed a bad team. Moving on to the rest of the games going on this week. Uh, We've got our must-watch games, our watchables, and our unwatchables. Let's start with the unwatchables. There's only one, the Jets and the Giants. The only appealing thing about this game is that it's the battle for New York. And i got to be honest, I don't care to watch Zach Wilson, and I don't care to watch Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones or whoever's playing quarterback for the Giants struggle against this Jets defense. I'm not going to watch it. Don't really care to. Um, unless I look up and it's close, then, I, then I'll, I'll probably watch it. Um, moving on to the watchables. Several games in this category. Minnesota versus Green Bay. I think Jordan Love, his development, I still just want to kind of keep track of. He hasn't been great this year. Uh, Then again, it's a young offense, so we're going to cut them a little bit of slack. Vikings are coming off a big win over the 49ers. If they win this week, they're back at 500. Big game for the Vikings. Both teams should be locked in to that divisional matchup. Atlanta going on the road to take on the Titans. Mike Vrabel taking on a young quarterback in Desmond Ritter does not bode well for for former Titans offensive coordinator, now head coach, Arthur Smith. 
But Will Levis making his first start for the Titans. I want to see how Will Levis looks. Uh, I want to continue to watch Desmond Ritter and just kind of see what he becomes. Bijan Robinson should hopefully not be sick this week. Um, yeah, so also want to keep track of this so I can see all the upset Kyle Pitts fantasy owners uh, on Twitter get really upset. Can't wait. So that that's a watchable. Next watchable, New Orleans and Indianapolis. Colts, like, they're good without Anthony Richardson. I mentioned earlier that the Chiefs are tied for sixth in the, in the NFL in scoring offense this year. They're tied with the Colts. Like, this is a really good offense that scores points. They scored 38 last week against a tough Cleveland defense. Uh, it's going to be interesting just to kind of see what Shane, St- Shane Steichen can cook up for another good defense that is the Saints. This should be a good game. Uh, the Indianapolis defense has been meh, but so is the New Orleans offense. Should be a really, really good game. If there was more on the line, this would be, that would be a must-watch game. Uh, New England and Miami. Dolphins, they got embarrassed last week against Philly. Jalen Ramsey could play this week. We'll see if he does. Dolphins, they really need to win. they got to play the Chiefs next week in Frankfurt. It's probably not a win. And then they have their bye week, which they desperately need to get to to get healthy. They are really beat up. Uh, Mac Jones coming off his best game of the season. You know That Bills game was probably a really big confidence boost. For him, he's going to try to keep the momentum going. He's fighting for his career in New England, so he's going to be motivated. Another divisional matchup. It's in Miami. Should be a good game. Um, you know, they played earlier this year. Uh, Miami won, you know, 24-17. So, should be a really close, good, fun matchup. Uh, and then the last three games that I have on here is watchable. Or all watchable for the same reason. Philadelphia plays Washington, Kansas City, Denver, Baltimore, and Arizona. All watchable for the same reason. Philly is fun to watch. Kansas City is fun to watch. Baltimore is fun to watch. All of their opponents are not. Except in this Baltimore-Arizona game. Arizona, they're they're just they're interesting. I enjoy watching them. I don't know why. I talked all that crap about Josh Dobbs, and now I find myself watching their games like every Sunday. But here's why this game is more watchable than I would say Philly-Washington or Kansas City and Denver. This is another game where Baltimore is coming off a big win, right? Every team that's had a big win this year seems to lose the next week. Okay, the the Cowboys beat the Jets 30 to 10 and then they lose to the Cardinals the very next week. The Bills beat the Dolphins, you know, 48 to 20 or whatever it was, and then they lose to the Patriots last week. This could be a letdown game for Baltimore. Really interested to see kind of how they respond after their big win over the Lions. So I'm just intrigued to kind of see how Lamar Jackson and those Ravens look this week. Now, our must-watch games. There's only a few here. Uh, Four. Yeah, I've got four. Jacksonville's playing Pittsburgh. This is the best game in the 1 o'clock slate. I think, you know, Jacksonville is trying to stay in contention for that number one seed in the AFC. Meanwhile, the Steelers, who are 4-2, and somehow continue to find ways to win. The Steeler defense is nasty. It's going to be fun watching them and watching them combat Trevor Lawrence in this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Maybe Kenny Pickett will finally kind of find a rhythm. Um, George Pickens, also one of the better young receivers in the NFL. Tough, fun. It's fun watching him make tough, contested catches. Next must watch, Houston, Carolina. It's the top three picks from this year's NFL draft all in the same field. Enough said. Cleveland, Seattle, two four and two teams, both trying to stay in contention to win their divisions. Uh, we'll kind of see what ends up happening and how all of this develops. 
Um, they're really similar as well. They want to run the football, and they want to rely on their defenses. Should be one of the better games this week. Uh, if I had to pick a winner there, I'd probably take Seattle just because who knows what's going on in that Cleveland quarterback room, and Geno Smith is a good, solid, steady presence there in Seattle. Last game here, must-watch, Cincinnati, San Francisco. No Brock Purdy, so it'll be Sam Darnold. Uh, 49ers still favored by 4.5 in that one. The Bengals have quietly won two in a row. People aren't really talking about them a whole ton. Meanwhile, the 49ers have lost back-to-back games. This is a big game for the 49ers to stay atop the NFC West, and the Bengals need to win to get back into playoff contention. If they win this week, they'll be 4-3. and three with a chance to make the playoffs. Probably not win their division because their division's really good, but they could still sneak into a wild card spot. That is all the football going on this week. Um, I can't wait for it. Should be really good. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, To wrap it up here, I'm really quickly just going to hit on this. World Series starts tonight. If you want to hear all the baseball stuff, that's part of why I had Taylor Langston on on Wednesday. We broke down a little bit of that series between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, so feel free to go back and listen to that if you want some baseball talk. That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I will be back again on Monday with another podcast for you guys. I cannot wait. I got some good ideas that I'm, I'm letting go on Monday. I hope you I hope you, you know, come back and you listen to that. Make sure to like, subscribe, do all those things, and I'll talk to you all again on Monday. Monday.